did not bring your Bible, we will flash verses on the screen overhead so you can follow along. But we always encourage folks to bring their Bible. It's just good to get used to working through the Word of God. Amen. We're teaching, if it's your first time here, as you can see, it is, it is uh, changed on the platform here to resemble what we hope looks like a little bit of a, of a graveyard and, a, and an area that would be typical of a haunted house. And I've been attempting through this month of October to teach you some concepts about how to drive the enemy out of your house and to begin to see the power of God back in. And, uh, you know, you may technically not be in what the world would define as a haunted house. I mean, there are all sorts of images that can begin to be stirred in your mind as to what you would picture a haunted house to be. And that perhaps is not your house. You perhaps live on a well-lit street. You have a house that's freshly painted, neighbors close by, your landscaping's well done, everything seems to be put in order. It would be the furthest thing from your mind to consider your house being haunted. But truth of the matter is, there are a lot of people who when they go home, they're living in hell. And we mentioned as we've gone through this, some of the statistics with regards to what people are facing out there as they're living life. And we've just created some props to solicit your attention, perhaps some of your imagination with headstones that just sort of define some of the areas that that are struggling, uh, people are struggling with in their homes and in their houses, and it illustrates just a lot of what people are facing. Now, I want to just review real quick. On week one, we talked about clearly seeing the spiritual. If, If you don't believe that there's a spiritual realm, then I can't help you. You've got to begin to believe that there's another realm at work besides the one you and I are living in. And if you can begin to see that other realm, you'll begin to have at your disposal some tools, some weapons, some arsenal that will begin to help you navigate those challenging times uh, when the enemy comes against what's going on in your house. The second week, we talked about cleansing the house. We talked about how even spiritually we have to sweep out We have to begin to remove the principality that's seeking to influence our homes, the territories that we've been put in, and uh, we were given at least an opening understanding of how that works. I'm going to pick up on that theme a little bit again here this morning. And uh, before I do that, I've been using clips from an old movie that Don Knotts was in, entitled The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, and uh, just to... Remind you, he is a newspaper typesetter. His name is Luther Heggs. And uh, there's an old house, an old murder house in town that has uh, a story that's associated with it. And it has become, in the mind of the townspeople, a haunted house. And in order to, so to speak, commemorate the 20th anniversary of those tragic murders, they wanted to get someone to stay overnight in that old haunted house. Well, Don Knotts who's Luther Heggs is his character in this movie, is the one that gets to stay all night long in this old haunted house called the Simmons Place. And so we're going we're gonna to pick it up as he's right in the middle of it. So guys, you can douse the lights, watch the screen overhead as we open up this morning.
Is that you, Ollie? Ollie, you, you trying to scare me, Ollie? <laughs> I'm showing you clips in order to somehow make the point that haunted houses have certain things associated with them uh, that can be easily linked to spiritual things that may be going on even in your house. Luther, as we saw on the screen overhead, is having to sleep in what is thought to be this haunted house and all of a sudden he finds this open door. Everyone say open door. An open door. Didn't know that there was an open door there, but all of a sudden this, this door opened and it will eventually lead him uh, to a very, uh, very scary place. And, and you can go ahead and rent the DVD to find out how it all ends. But I'm using it to illustrate to you that it could well be in your life and in your home situation that there are open doors, maybe doors you don't even know exist yet, But there are open doors, and these open doors are there that give the enemy a legal access to come into your household, to come into your life, in order to instigate the things he does by way of stealing, killing, and destroying. You've got to realize the enemy wants to destroy whatever God would like to establish in your life. The Lord wants you to be successful, he wants you to be contented, he wants you to be at peace, he wants you to have hope, he wants you to have all the good things that we know are associated with the Lord, and the enemy wants to do everything he can to try to steal that or destroy that from you. And so this morning, I want to expand on that theme, and I've just entitled the message, remember, clearly seeing the spiritual, number one, cleansing the house is number two, and now this morning, I want to talk about closing the door. 
closing the door. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read out of Deuteronomy 7, 17, and let's just uh, begin to hear what the Lord might say to us here. The people of Israel are being admonished once again, they're being encouraged to understand what all will need to take place when they enter into the land that God has promised them. And uh, remember, when they go into the land, God had promised them many things. He promised them a land that would be flowing with milk and honey. He promised them great resources. He promised them what we would define as jobs and raises. He defined them houses to live in. A lot of people don't realize, but when a, when a, a, a force, an invading force, would go into a country or a nation or a land, and they would dispel the inhabitants, that they'd move into everyone's houses and homes that were there. Is that not amazing? And so they were promised all sorts of things as they would go into the land. But the Lord also wanted them to know that there were going to be certain expectations, there were going to be certain requirements, certain things that they were going to have to remember as they moved into the land and they received the blessing. And so it says here in Deuteronomy 7, beginning with verse 17, it says this, the Lord speaking, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, How can I dispossess them? In other words, there are these enemies, and the people are going, these are great enemies. How can I I defeat these great enemies? I'm going to stop there for just a minute. Do you realize right now on these headstones, these are enemies? These headstones represent the enemies that stand before so many people. They aren't an exhaustive list, but they are a list. And oftentimes I think we say to ourselves, how can, I, how can I conquer pride? How can I conquer my fear? How can I conquer lust? And how can I conquer my addictions and my bondages? These enemies, these, these enemies are great. How can I dispossess them? In verse 18, the Lord says, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. The great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left, who hide themselves from you, are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you Little by little. I like that phrase right there. You know, sometimes deliverance isn't all at once. Sometimes you get delivered little by little. A lot of people give up because they didn't see their great dramatic event. But God says, you just keep being faithful and I'll drive the enemies out of your life little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. He says, you can't take it all on at once lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand. And, he, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you've destroyed them. You shall, now listen, this is important, you shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. That might be a good passage to underline, lest you be snared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house. 
Did you hear that? Don't bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Closing the door. God has a dream for you, for me. He has a dream for your house. He wants your house to be a sanctuary. He wants when you go home from work, from your day, from having to interact in the world, he wants you to be able to go home to a place that we could call a haven, a sanctuary, a place that's, that's filled with peace, it is filled with love, it is filled with joy. He wants you to go home in order that you might have a place to sort of recoup and regroup. In order that when the next day starts and you go out back into the world, that you will have been resourced and strengthened and helped in order to be able to do that. And so the question I want to put out as we begin this morning is, does your home match his dream? In fact, how would you describe your house? Is your house one that you would barely shut the door of the car after church service before everything Uh, turns into upheaval and strife and stress? Is there just arguing constantly? Is there fighting all the time? Is there sarcasm and bickering over things that when you think about it later really aren't all that important? I mean, how does it really look? Just, Just be honest. I'm not going to ask you to write it down or raise your hand, but just be honest for a moment and ask yourself, is my house really matching what God's dream for it would be? If your house is different than God's dream for you, then it's time to admit there's a problem going on here. There's something that has gotten into this thing that is trying to destroy you. It's trying to destroy your family. It's trying to cause division. It's trying to cause upheaval. And it's time you addressed it. Now, I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, I am interested in people's long-term fruit and victory in their life. I want you to succeed. It may not seem like it, but it really is true. I want you to succeed. You know, I want my children to succeed, my natural kids. I suspect there were times growing up in my household that they thought to themselves, at times I was Dr. Jekyll and at other times I was Mr. Hyde. I suspect they thought that way. I suspect they thought that I was the worst parent in the universe. I suspect if you could have asked them, there were moments that if they could have transferred out of my house and gone to someone else's house because of what they they saw superficially outside, that they would have switched in a heartbeat. I'll bet if you asked them, there were those moments, just like it would be, I suspect, in many of your houses. But truth of the matter is, as a parent, I wasn't really trying to ruin their life. I wasn't trying to do things that just cause upheaval and and problems for them, but as a, a parent and I believe I was a good parent. I was trying to find ways by which I could help them and design them to be successful for those times when I wasn't going to be there. That's what I wanted. That was what was in my heart. Now, I'm telling you the same thing happens when you're a pastor. You can say to yourself, well, you know, Pastor Baird, he's, he's a little tough or he's a little this or he's a little that. And you can say what you want. And people have switched me out for someone else. And then come to find out that the switch out may not have been just as grand as they initially thought. But the point being is this. My heart is to help you succeed. My heart is to help you get established so you're not a statistic on the screen. 
My heart is to have something take place in your life that will help you tangibly, in reality, experience God's promises in your life. And in order to get God's promise, we must follow God's pattern. And so I want you to have success, but we can't get you success by playing with your own rules. We can only play under the rules God has given us. And the Lord, you know, has spoken a lot of things through this little series we're doing here. And and I really feel like the voice of the Lord said this. He said, if my people do not get rid of the unclean things in their homes and begin to close the door to those things, that my spirit and my glory will not remain with them long. In fact, I believe the Lord has come to give us strength to cast some things out. I'm going to just share this with you. God's not afraid of the devil. But at the same time, he doesn't have to live with him. Are you with me? I mean, he had the devil uh, in heaven with him as one of the archangels, I believe, Lucifer. And there came a moment that the devil started acting up and God said, I'm greater and I'm more powerful than you, but I don't have to live with you. And so he literally cast the devil out of the heavens. He cast him out of his house. And this is God's position. God's position is not one of fear. It is not one that he can't handle, you know, the enemy. But God just simply says, because I'm God, I don't have to live with him. And that's the amazing thing about God. He doesn't have to ask anybody's opinion. He just says, that's my choice. I don't, I don't want to live with him. I don't want to live around him. I don't want to live around his stuff. It's just something I don't have to do. Hear me. God's presence in your life and God's presence in your home can clash with the climate and the atmosphere of what's going on. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us resolve to rise up and to cast out the unclean thing. You see, here's the thing we've, we've capitulated to in America. We've simply said, well, God's just going to live with it. See, that's what we said. You know, God loves me. He, God's always capitulating to the lowest common denominator in America. Doesn't matter how we live. Doesn't matter what we do. God loves me. He's with me. He's always, and God always capitulates to me. Wrong. God is always calling us up. He's always saying, pursue me. He's always saying, I'll give you strength. I'll give you power. I will enable you to live victoriously. He doesn't have to step down in order to make you feel better. He can empower you to raise you up, to cause you to overcome. He wants to give us that kind of strength and resolve. Now, let's talk about the children of Israel. It's really important we understand what's going on here. The passage that I read to you in Deuteronomy was really often mentioned all through the Old Testament. There were many times that God would come to his people and he would remind them and say to them, as you go in and as I give you victory over your enemies, I want to remind you that you are not to assimilate what they do into your system. I want to remind you that what they do and how they are is not to be associated with who you are and what you do. In fact, he said that uh, the people of God here were concerned about how they would defeat their enemies. And the Lord tells them, he'll come through for you. This is really amazing. I, I don't want to hear anymore. I mean, this is really hard. I'm not saying there's not, there's not patience and long-suffering. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm not going to look at an addicted person and just say, well, we'll just start a support group for you, and we'll just hang around with each other for 20 years while you're feeling supported. When I can look at you and say that there is a power in God that will enable you to break out of that thing. 
Come on now. That's what it means to overcome. He has called us to be more than conquerors, triumphant in all things. He didn't say, I've come to support you. He says, I've come to cause you to be victorious. We've got to lift our eyes and get a new vision. The new vision is you can prevail. You can conquer. It can be different. Your house can change. You don't have to be the statistic. It can happen. The people are going, I don't know how. I don't know how. And God says, I can do this. I can do this. I can do it. Now he says, this is what he says. It's a good passage. He says, now understand. Sometimes it comes little by little. Little by little. Sometimes you just have to take one step at a time. One moment at a time. Let me tell you, one step is still victory. Another step is still victory. Another step is still victory. So we've got to understand there's going to be some process to all of this. You have to attend to your victory. You can't just coast. You just can't, you just can't just spaz. You've got, you've, you, 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 you've got to attend to your victory. And then the Lord says, he says, I'll deliver the king to you. That's, I, I just linked that to the strong man. He goes, I'll deliver the strong man to you. The strong man that's over your house. It's over the territory. He goes, I, I, I can help you defeat him. But then he ends by saying this. He says, however, having said all of these good things, I am going to give you one reminder. And that is you cannot bring the accursed thing, he says. You can't bring the accursed thing of your enemies into your house. He says the Lord detests them. He abhors them. And he says if you bring the accursed thing into the house, he says it will ensnare you again. It will lead you into captivity. And it will ultimately destroy you. Now, can we just all agree right now by saying, I mean, it's not amen. You can just say, wow. Wow, that's pretty serious, isn't it? When God says, listen to me, if you bring the accursed thing back, it will destroy you. Now, the question is, what was the accursed thing? I mean, I mean, what is it? In those days, interestingly enough, mostly they were these pagan idols. They were Canaanite or Hittite or Amorite or Jebusite idols. They would create these pagan idols. Literally, they were, they were what we would call demon gods. And... Uh, They would worship these idols. In fact, the accursed thing, literally in the Hebrew, the word accursed means devoted. It's kind of an interesting word. And as I began to study it, I found out that what that meant was is that there were these idols that were in the homes of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. There were these idols and they were devoted to these idols. There was a devotion to them. They worshipped them. They venerated them. They They gave them priority in their homes. And uh, that was what these foreign nations valued. Now, I understand we live in the 21st century. I understand Americans. I'm one. We don't think, by and large, as Americans, that we have any accursed things around. I'm not so sure that's true. You see, just because we have a little bit more knowledge... And just because technologically speaking, we may be a little more astute than they were in ancient Israel, it doesn't mean that the spiritual reality has changed any at all. I mean, there are some people, they venerate their HBO. Sure you do. You watch that more than you would watch Christian television. You would watch that and listen to that more than you would read your Bible. Sure you would. We venerate the internet. 
It would blow our minds today if we really knew not just what was going on in the homes of America, sadly, the homes of Christians. Now, in Old Testament times, it's interesting what God did to help people identify whether or not there was an open door in their home to an accursed thing. Because it wasn't as if, you know, those things Sometimes they did, they just sat around and you could easily see them, but oftentimes those things just weren't easily seen or easily around. And there was something that God did in order to help the Israelites know if there was an accursed thing in their home. Now, some of you saw several months ago uh, a a DVD we did by Jensen Franklin who talked about, uh, you know, uh, this very thing. And I'm going to elaborate just a little bit more on this particular area. Uh, But it should be familiar to several of you. What God would do was, and this is really interesting, in Old Testament times, whenever, whenever there was sin or whenever there was a need to identify sin in the area, in a person or in a place, oftentimes leprosy would manifest. So literally, under the Old Covenant, leprosy would manifest a skin disease. And for those of you that don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a skin disease that would eventually eat up your flesh. Leprosy would manifest and everybody would panic because they would know that somehow or another sin was being associated with what was going on. Now, I thought to myself, wow, Lord, why don't you do that today? Because that would be such an easy way. Wouldn't discernment? I mean, that would be an easy way to discern. Ooh, leprosy. Ha ha, we know something's going on in your life. Do you understand why now in Jesus' time, when the leper came up and they all ran up to him and said, tell us who sinned, his parents? Or him. I mean, where's the sin in this thing? And they were true to a point. They were true that that is exactly how God would do that in Old Testament times. Leprosy would manifest. When Miriam started murmuring against Moses, her brother, who was still the man of God, leprosy came. That's a pretty high price for a little murmuring, isn't it? You see, but don't mistake that under a new covenant, it doesn't mean you get away with your murmuring. Don't mistake that under a new covenant you get away with the sin. Don't mistake that. Don't think just because you don't have leprosy you're good to go. There's another type of leprosy that can begin to invade our lives. In fact, what was interesting in their homes was that if there were an accursed thing somehow that was left in the house or left in the home, what God would literally do was, in fact, it's interesting that this is how the guys made the props, but literally he would cause streaks to begin to develop in the walls. And those streaks, the Bible tells us, would be greenish red. And if you were in your house and you started to see the tint of greenish red on your walls, you would instantly know that there was a plague that was beginning to come to your house and it would indicate that there would be an accursed thing in the home. Wouldn't you like that as well? You go home after church today and you see a little greenish red in your, you know, in your yellow paint there. Now, leprosy, hear me, today is not like that. I understand we're not going to get those type of dramatic manifestations. Leprosy today manifests in different ways than red and green stripes. Leprosy today manifests as chronic fear, chronic oppression, chronic bondage and addiction, chronic rage and anger and discontent. there's a leprosy in the walls of our homes you know it you can go home and there's something about when you go home you can you can sense that there's just something in the air and it's turned your home into a haunted house now there may be victory 
in the house of God, but we need to get the victory from the house of God into the homes of God's people. Now, what does God say about closing the door? Well, the book of Leviticus, if you want to go back to Leviticus, could anything good come from the book of Leviticus? Well, in Leviticus chapter 14, there's just some interesting things that the Lord says. In fact, he gives in chapter 14 a detailed procedure of how you close the door to the plague or how you close the door to the enemy. Now, in Leviticus 14, beginning in verse 33 through 54, it's a long passage. If I read it all to you, you, would, you your eyes would start going, oh, yeah, well. because at first it doesn't make a lot of sense. It sounds strange to our ears. It sounds different. But there are some things that the Lord begins to say to the children of Israel, the people of God, with regards to how you deal with this plague. How do you deal with these stripes that are in the wall? How do you deal with all that's, that's going on? It's interesting that as you study this, the ancient Jewish rabbis taught that when the Israelites were going into the land, God, of course, devised this plague of leprosy to help them and expose what was going on in some of the homes that they would be commandeering, some of the homes that they would be taking over. As you recall, when they would enter into the land, they would dispossess their enemies, they would drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they would drive them out. And as they would drive them out, all the ites knew that when the Israelites came in, that they would take over their homes, they would take over their businesses, they would take over everything. That's how it worked in those days. Conquering army took over everything. Lock, stock, and barrel drove all the enemies out of the land. They just had to fend for themselves. But here's what they all knew. They all knew that as this thing happened, they had been doing this now for centuries, they knew that there would be a moment that there would be an invading nation that would drive them out but they also knew that a time would come when the tables would be turned and they would get to come back is that not true one moment they're driving people out the next minute they're being driven out and so everyone knew there was this back and forth kind of happening and what took place was this that when the the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and all the ites were leaving the land. What they would do is this. They would say to themselves, well, it's true. We're being driven out of our homes and our businesses. We're being driven out, but we can hide some of our things in the walls. And we'll hide these things in the walls of these homes. So when it's our turn to drive them out, they will not have found them. They will not have have." have taken them and used them themselves and we will have our riches and we will have our our pagan gods and our our pagan idols we will have them all back again and so they would put them in the walls and the foundations of their homes as they were being conquered and so when they came back they would know where everything was and God looked at the Israelites and he said to them he said listen when you come into the land you're not to have anything to do with these things you can't take the spoil. You cannot, you cannot take the booty, so to speak. These things are forbidden. And uh, what would happen is, is that at times the, even the Israelites would find it, but instead of obeying God, they too would hide it. And so you've got the Canaanites hiding it in the walls, and then you've got the Israelites who come upon it, and instead of obeying God, they too would hide the accursed things. At times, they would even hide it in the walls. And so what the Lord did was, he said, I'll tell you how I'll fix this whole thing. I'll cause the walls to turn greenish red, 
to let everyone know that there is an accursed thing in the home. Are you with me? Now, let's just say you're an, you're an innocent party. You're not, you're not doing something to try to, you know, get out of God's, God's requirements here. You're trying to live upright before the Lord. What would you do in order to deal with this? Well, basically in Leviticus 14, there are six things that he says here that we're going to springboard off of that are going to help you understand what you need to do when you go back home and you begin to deal with a leprosy or an open door or a plague that may be in your house. Six things they were required to do. The first thing is, and I believe I put the, uh, yeah, I put the scripture reference. You can write all these down and you can read it for yourself because I'm not going to take the time to read all of this. Leviticus 14.33, basically it says, when you see these stripes on the wall, he says, go tell the priest, there's a plague in my house. Run, go tell the priest, instantly, the minute you see those streaks, there is a plague in my house. The Lord said to his people, as they moved into the land, as they moved into these houses, they were to examine the walls. And if they sensed anything unusual, if they could see even the lightest tint of greenish red showing up, they were to tell the priest. And the priest would come. And that's how they would get a confirmation of what they were sensing. And I call this the discernment step. The discernment step. We've got to get to the place where we can begin to discern if there are streaks beginning to gather on our walls. It says tell the priest, and I just want to encourage, especially you husbands and dads, you in particular, but I know some of you are single moms or you're single heads of households. Let me tell you something. We, we have to understand God's order. And, and it's time that we got on duty that the heads of homes are the priests of their home. And we've got to discern and begin to see if there are streaks beginning to gather on our walls. The Lord wants to find some spiritual authority for your house. The Lord works through spiritual authority. He wants to confirm what others are sensing. Can I just share with you, dads and husbands, sometimes your wife will just say to you, I sense, I sense something coming against us, and instead of blowing them off, why don't you seek to confirm it? The Bible says you're the one that should be doing that. We don't want to find, I understand, I don't want to look for a demon under every rock. Is there one under here? No, not one. I know some people are like that. They see a demon behind every corner, under every rock. I understand, and I don't want to do that either. But folks, if we have another dimension here, we need to be equally honest and open about the fact that while I'm not going to look for one under every rock and every issue, there sure enough is a possibility that one can get there. I know what some are saying. Do you deal with this on Sunday morning? Absolutely, because most Sunday mornings, people are fussing with the enemy, so I think we ought to just set aside a little Sunday morning and let's just deal with the enemy. Tell the priest. Tell the priest we don't want an open door. We don't want something that's been opened in the spirit realm that allows legal access to cause havoc and strife and rage and anger and all the things that take place in people's homes. Tell the priest, use some discernment. Is there something going on here that's beyond just, just the natural? Come on now, is it not interesting how oftentimes things just happen and then later on after everything cools down, you say to yourself, why in the world was that a big deal? Has that never happened to any of you? I remember one time, Tracy and I, one of our greatest fights was over, was over, did you wash my socks? Now, I know you laugh right now, and we laugh about it right now, too. 
I mean, we think about that fight and we'll just chuckle. And I was being stupid. It was me. It was my fault. I was being stupid at the time. But it all started with socks. Just socks. I mean, we're going to divorce court over socks. How dumb is that? Stand before the judge and the judge goes, what's your reasons for divorce? Socks, your honor. He'd look. Well, why is it? Well, there could be something deeper than socks going on. Tell the priest there's a plague in the house. Number two. It says examine the house. Begin to examine it. If a person told the priest that they sensed leprosy, or they saw maybe the outlinings of these stains, the priest was to drop what he was doing. That's what the Lord literally said. He said the priest was to drop what he was doing, and he was to instantly move to address it. I found that interesting. You know, leprosy must have taken a pretty high priority in their mentality. The priests were told, drop what you're doing, deal with this leprosy. There cannot be leprosy. The priest would tell the occupants to remove everything. They would literally remove everything out of this house so they could inspect every inch of the house. They were going to inspect it all. They inspected the the mortar between the rocks. They, They inspected the foundations, the corners. I mean, it just wasn't this perusal through the home. They, they scoured the place. And if they found anything there, the slightest hint of reddish green that was found there, the house was instantly quarantined for a week. Nobody could go in, nobody could go out quarantined. Examine the house. Folks, we need to arise and examine our homes. Examine your home. I mean, scour the thing. Are there any open doors that have been allowed to stay open so the enemy could get in let the holy spirit guide you and i believe he can lead you and open up to you and reveal to you the root of a lot of the plagues that are going on in your homes folks it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there are things in our homes that are offending him and if they're offending him they need to go We need to expect our homes with a magnifying glass until you find out what got into your home that's beginning to grieve the Holy Spirit or it's beginning to cause an open door to come. I would suggest that you go in, check your kids' computers. We don't have pagan idols anymore. We just call them computers. As we sit with glazed eyes, venerating them. You need to check TV channels. You need to get some iPods and look down the list of songs that are going on. When was the last time you looked at a cell phone and found out some numbers and some text messages? Come on, DVDs and CDs. If something isn't setting right in your spirit, can I suggest to you that there's a reason it's not setting right? I cannot tell you how many times. I know people think I am a Martian. They think we're aliens. I cannot tell you how many times we'll go through iPods and check it out and have done that. I can't tell you the times that we've looked through CDs and we've found things that ought not be there. I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how many times the Spirit of God has quickened Tracy on definite occasions and walked in and found phone calls that were going on that ought not have been going on. Let me tell you something. You've got to be diligent over your house. Your house. Examine the house. Examine the house. Don't just assume, examine the house. Then it says, number three, cleanse the house. It was interesting, in those days, it involved removing every contaminated stone from the wall. Can you imagine? And you literally disassembled the house. 
You would disassemble the floor. You would disassemble the foundation. It had to come apart stone by stone. And then it had to be disposed of outside the city. And then when it was to be rebuilt, the homeowner would be the only one allowed. It was the homeowner. Nobody, you couldn't get a construction company to do it. You couldn't get others. The homeowner had to be the one to bring in fresh stones. So that way the homeowner would know exactly what was going on. And then once the homeowner put in the fresh stones, the fresh mortar, and they built it fresh, they had to wait another seven days before they could go in. The reason they did that was they wanted to be sure they got the leprosy out. They wanted to be sure it was out. We've got to get it out. Folks, I'm telling you, this is a day when you and I have got to, we live in a very radical, um, uh, bold era with regards to what takes place in the world. You know what's interesting to me? It's interesting to me, listen to this phrase. Bad has become good because worse has come along. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have allowed things that are bad in our lives. And we allow them to stay because we can point at other things and say, well, that's worse. So what we've done is we've sanctified bad things. And God says, it, you know, it may be the era has sanctified it, but I haven't sanctified it. And it's time we understood that it is time we disassembled some things and we began to see if this is what needs to clean the house. Let me tell you something. If we need to lose some CDs, let's lose them. Some DVDs that ought not be on the shelf, lose them. I've watched, I've watched young people at Bethany World Prayer Center after Joel Stockstill has ministered literally bring up their laptops and throw their laptops on the altars and lose them there. And I've often thought to myself, I wonder what those parents would say when their child came home and uh, they said, I, I, I gave God my laptop and, and, and because it was just causing me to stumble. And I thought, sadly, a lot of parents would look at their children and call them crazy. They would rather their children be ensnared in sin than lose a $600 laptop. That's tr- I'm just speaking truth to you right now. Amen. I mean, I'd rather lose some iPods and some computers than lose my peace. I mean, what's your peace worth? My pe- Let me tell you something. That's a real problem. Get rid of HBO. My peace is worth more than that. See, this isn't a big deal to me. If you struggle over losing Showtime, you got a problem. Amen. I know, you say, well, I don't have to come here and hear this. You're right. And you don't have to be successful and victorious either. Because the very thing, the abhorrent thing, will ensnare you again. And I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just cutting your learning curve down. Cleanse the house. Get it out. Then number four, it says if the house was still unclean, you can't ignore the symptoms. Sometimes they would do all these things. Can you imagine disassembling your house, putting in fresh rock, all the things, and it still wasn't clean? Leprosy would come back. The Bible calls that moment when the leprosy would come back, it actually calls it fretting leprosy or angry leprosy. It's interesting, isn't it? It was a different kind of leprosy. It was a leprosy that wasn't as obvious, but it was still contaminating the household. I think in America we have a lot of fretting leprosy. We have things that aren't nearly as obvious that God is saying to us, we need to cleanse. I, I, I mean, it's not anything that, that is overt, but it's just, it's just things that are there. You know, we, we are traveling. I'm just going to share some things with you again. Call me crazy. I'm just trying to help people. 
But if you've picked up a voodoo doll from somewhere, if you've got a Ouija board in your game closet, are you hearing me? I got, I, we got people that get their newspaper, they'll read their horoscopes every day, not realizing that God calls that divination, and he says it's a detestable thing. We got Christians running around going, what's your sign? No, my sign is the cross. That's my sign. Because I'm hidden in him. We got little Hindu and Buddhist idols. And I realize we're living in a day and age where we tolerate everything. Well, I'm not tolerating an idol in my home. If you've got ritual drums that were used in tribal worship, if you've got Indian charms, divining rods you know my grandparents they'll tell i can remember my granddad talking about cutting a divining rod out of a tree and literally being able to find water and they'd all chuckle about it i don't chuckle about it it's a familiar spirit and i know exactly what's at work behind that if you've got figurines from shamanists in mexico i mean folks these things these things have repercussions. I know what people say. I've had people come up to me and say this. They've said, well, you know, I don't believe that stuff and it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, then why would you put it up on your shelf and you would display it like the Canaanites used to do it? Because what you're doing is, whether you know it or not, it's what the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and all the ites they would do. They would put it up in there. And God, God would very much like an explanation as to why you are doing what you do in his face. People have CDs and DVDs that have the heads of devils on them. What do you think that is? You say, well, that didn't mean anything. Well, it means something to God. God isn't going to live with the devil. He already kicked him out once. Now he's waiting to see if you'll put him underneath your feet. Amen. I mean, we can, we can find our DVDs, some of us, easier than we can find our Bibles. God will not live in that stuff. We're just cutting to the chase, folks. Drug, and, and some of it can be legal. Legal drugs that are used illegally are wrong. And illegal drugs as well are wrong, and the Bible calls that sorcery. Sorcery comes from the Greek word pharmakia. And if there are drugs that come into your home, there's sorcery that's taking place. Cleanse the house. Cleanse the house. Close the door. I've had people say, I, 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 always, I always sense a bad spirit in my house. I don't understand why there's always a bad spirit in my house. Well, why don't we go over to this, this cabinet and open it up, and I can see bottles of bad spirit laying right there. It even says so on the label. I don't even need much discernment at this point. It says spirits. That one was easy. Boom. Easy. Oh, but not you. No, no, it couldn't be that. Couldn't be that. Well, that's why you cleansed out all the other stuff and you still got the fretting leprosy there. The house is unclean. And you're going to have to be discerning. There are some things that trip people up that would be, that would be legitimate in the hands of somebody else. I'm not, I'm not kidding. There may be old books that you've got uh, that, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was in seminary, I had to read certain books and references of other religions and other things and i did it for assignment and i don't believe it affected me it didn't make me turn that way but for some people they can't have that kind of stuff laying around and so you know what it's got to go it's got to go some things that you're going to have to send out maybe something different than other people are going to have to send out 
If it's affecting you, if it's causing a bad spirit, if it's causing your mind to be messed up, you're going to have to be honest enough to say this stuff doesn't need to be here. Now, hear me. I grew up in the holiness movement. We threw out just about everything. I understand that, that, that you just don't throw it out to throw it out. You can't throw out your, your wrench just because a wrench was used in a robbery down the street. I understand that. But if you've got a disposition to use wrenches wrongly, then get rid of the wrench. Get rid of it. We're going to have to start being discerning. Get rid of it. If it we're, what is your peace worth? What is your joy worth? What is your contentment worth? What's it worth? Get rid of it if it's causing you to stumble. Don't ignore the symptoms. You see, that's the problem. The problem is, all right, I don't have any Canaanite idols, and I don't have any devils on CDs, and, I, and my iPod's clean and all this, but if you still have fretting leprosy, you need to say, Lord, what is it that you're grieved by? What is it that you're grieved by? Let me ask you, is everything on the altar? Is everything in your life on the altar? Is everything on the altar in your life? That if God were to say, this must go, it goes. We're going to find out. Because God's presence is going to be sensitized to us, I believe, in this hour. Number five, then we've got to begin to declare the cure. Declare the cure. In fact, they would actually begin to declare in the home that the place was cleansed. Your words contain spiritual power. Your words will loose blessing or curses. Your words contain authority to drive out the enemy and close the door. What you do is, let's, I'll just give you an example. I'd, if, I, if, if I had just a, a CD or a DVD, I'd pick it up. And let me just tell you this, don't go sell it so someone else can get defiled. That's my opinion. Now, you, you do what you got to do. But for me, I just say this is one that ain't nobody going to be defiled by. It's gone. Can I tell you, when I got really right with God, do you know how many albums and rock and roll tapes I lost? I lost a lot of them. I, I've been to more record burnings and smashings than you can imagine. I realize that stuff doesn't float today in our current seeker-sensitive, make-me-happy, say-something-positive. Don't help me, but just make me feel better about where I am. I get it. I understand. We're living in a day and age, you ain't going to hear this anywhere else, but we're living in a day and age that America is going down the tubes. We're living in a day where the stock market is crashing, our money is becoming worthless, and if we don't get right with God, we're going to be a third world nation. Somebody's got to start saying the truth, or else we're all going to be happy going into captivity. I'm a happy captive. I'm a happy captive. Oh, yeah, that's what we want, though. We've got people bound, addicted Crazy, raging, lunatics, but I go to the happy church. <laughs> Whatever. It ain't making a difference. Lord, I got to get back to my DVD here. In the name of Jesus, I cast that thing out. I break the hold it had in Jesus' name. I break the hold of it that it had. By my words, I take authority over that open door and I close it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're tired of what is going on in your life, then realize your life will change when your confession begins to change. It is time we put God's principle even above our relationships. 
If you have friends, let me just, can I just share this with you? There are some of you probably right now, you have friends that every time you're around them, they will turn you to the negative. Every time you're around them, they, they, you know they have a bad spirit. And every time you're around them, you get around them and, and all of a sudden your, your, your mentality shifts. You, you, you aren't the same person. Can I give you, I'm just going to speak the word of the Lord to you. Lose them. Lose them. That's why Jesus said in his word, he said, I've not come to bring peace but a sword. I'm going to drop a sword right in between relationships. I mean, you got a friend that you'll invite over to your house. They will come and be critical and negative and change your spirit and you let it happen. You wouldn't let them walk into your house and go to the bathroom on your carpet, would you? But you'll let them do that verbally, won't you? Right there in the middle of your living room. I'm just trying to give you a nice little word picture that you can keep with you. Exactly, exactly. There are people right now, you have, you have your children, and every time, you know this happens, that they're around a certain child, and every time they come back from being around that child, they're not right. Isn't that right? I've been through that three, four, ten, twenty times. You know what I do? i tell you what I do. I say, you know, you've been around a rebellious spirit, and you know what? We're going to change that. You're going to lose that relationship. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Because you know what? You're not going to pick that up. you got to start declaring the cure, closing the door. Close the door to some things, folks. What? I mean, is that rebellion? I, we got parents that just, they'll just go, well, I don't want them to lose their friends. Lord, lose them. They'd be better off alone than they would with that rebellious spirit, that spirit of manipulation and divination. They're hanging out with Eddie Haskell. Come on now. They'd be better off if they lost them. Amen. I'm feeling the anointing is landing. I must go on number six. Then he said, decree atonement for the house. God demanded atonement for demonic infestation. It was more than just get rid of it. It needed the blood. It needed the blood. Come on, folks. The only thing that atones for sin is the blood. It's the blood. Just because you get rid of something in your life doesn't mean you're right with God. I'm glad you got rid of it out of your life. That's a step. That's probably repentance because you've turned. That's a great thing to have happened. But that doesn't mean you're right with God. You're not right with God until the blood comes back again. And the blood is what cleanses. And the blood is what closes. And the blood is what sets free. And they overcame him with the word of their testimony. And the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The blood. The blood. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I was ignorant. I didn't know. Okay, you ignorantly sinned. Get the blood in your ignorance. You said, well, I, you're right, Pastor. I was a little willful there. Then get the blood on your willfulness. It's the blood. Lord, let the blood cleanse the house. Let the blood come. I plead the blood. I appropriate the blood. Jesus died and he shed his blood that every sin might not be suppressed or ignored, but that we might be set free. Glory to God. I'm set free, been made free. I've linked up to the cross, and it's, it's different now. I want you to experience God's goodness. I want God's dream to happen in your life, but it won't happen until we get, listen to me, till we get what he dwells in. Now, the truth is, you're the only one that has jurisdiction over your own life and your own home. 
We can lay hands and we do. We can, we can pray for a new anointing and we have. But hear me now, I, I can't go in and take on the devils at your house. You own it. You live there. You may have opened the door. Maybe you didn't open the door, but it doesn't matter. You own the thing. It is time that you stepped into your authority in your jurisdiction. You can't step into another person's jurisdiction. Step into your own authority in your own jurisdiction and begin to close some doors and cleanse it. Follow up on what goes on here in the house of God. You know, there's a reason in the house of God that we do certain things and don't do certain things. And, and the reason we do it is because we understand there's a spiritual dynamic to it, which is why when you come to the house of God, by and large, we hope, you find peace and you find joy and you find life and you get revelation and there's a perspective. And it seems easy to serve God when you're in the house of God. There's a reason for that. It's because we have set an atmosphere in place that gives that liberty in here. But the minute you walk out of here, it's gone, but it can get back when you get back to your property lines. You can set it in your property lines, in your house, but you must make the choice. You've got to choose an atmosphere of peace and joy and God's unfettered blessing. You've got to choose that. You've got to choose to do what the Lord has asked. Or, listen to me, keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep it up. And if you think it's going to change, you're wrong. Remember what I said? How's it been working for you up to this point? Pastor, not so good. Then maybe it's time for a change. And if you're ready to kick the devil out, and you're ready to get the power of God in, then folks, I got good news for you. We can close the door. Yes, we can. We can close the door. Amen. Stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, in these moments we have here, Laura, can I get some musicians back today? Is that possible? Why don't you go ahead and move them? Every head bowed, every eye closed. In my life, be lifted. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to just settle amongst us. Lord, there are homes here that are in the balance, I believe. There, there, are, there, are, there are relationships in the balance. There are challenges that are going on right now. Lord, that, that are really on the brink of disaster. If you don't show up. And give understanding and revelation. And Lord, I, I, I can share and teach and I probably forgot a dozen things that could have been said. But Holy Spirit, unless you unveil to people's eyes your truth, unless you reveal to their hearts what it is that you would have them to do. Lord, I believe that there are some people right now, that, that they, they instantly, as I was talking, they were thinking of things. You quickened their heart and said, you know what? I, I, I've been thinking for a long time it needed to go and I haven't done it. And, and Lord, it might be obvious to some, it might be more, just, 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 just more cloaked to others. But Lord, if it's something you're talking to the people about, you've got to enable them and empower them to do what needs to be done. Lord, you're creating an atmosphere in our world of such upheaval 
You're creating an atmosphere of such rebellion and iniquity that, Lord, you're going to need outposts. You're going to need homes and houses that are filled with your presence and, 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 and filled with your peace and filled with your joy. Neighborhoods are going to need a safe haven. And they're going to know that there's a Christian down there and we thought they were a little weird and didn't have much to do with them. But to be honest with you, things have gone so awry. I, I, I think I want to talk to them. Lord, help us to do our part to have an atmosphere that doesn't repel you, but that draws you. God, cause us to be acutely aware. We're not trying to be legalists. Lord, I break the spirit of legalism in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I can't legislate. I can't, I, I can't look at people. And I, Lord, I know what some will do. They'll say, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? I don't know. The question is, what do you think about it? And what does God think about it? as he's working with you. Lord, because I can't legislate any of this. All I can do is help them understand and maybe share a little bit of what we've done in our house. So Lord, I break that. I break, I break judgmentalism. I, I, I break pharisaicalism. I, I break that old wine, Lord, that I grew up in and my wife, Trace, grew up in that, that just anything that was halfway fun, it was wrong. And Lord, I break that in the name of Jesus. There are, some, there are some fun things that can happen. But Lord, help us to be aware. Come on now. I don't want to take an ounce of fun for you. I'm going to the fair on November the 2nd. I want to have some fun. But there are boundaries and there are lines. I grew up, listen to me, I, I, I grew up in a denomination that just carte blanche said you ought not go to the movie theater. And you know, some of that was just silly because I never could see how Bambi was affecting me evilly. See, the problem isn't the film and the celluloid and the light bulb behind it. The problem isn't the big screen. That's not the problem. The problem is what's on it. And what are you opening yourself up to? Not, it's not wrong to have DVDs come to my house. I got DVDs in my house. I got CDs. I've got all kinds of things in my house. But what is it opening your spirit up to? Come on now, get real. Get honest. Get honest. I mean, the number one song in America not too long ago was a song about a girl who kissed a girl and said she liked it. Basically saying, hey, I tried. I had a lesbian experience and I'm kind of cool with it. Now, I'd be willing to bet you that there are Christian teenagers all over America that have that on their iPods. Listen to me. And their parents don't even know, some of them, because I can barely understand the words. So I, I'm not against popular songs, but I, I'm not getting that spirit in my house. I'm just sorry. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Lord, help us to be serious about your presence right now. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you a question. Just be honest with God. No one's looking around. I mean it. Don't look around or you might get leprosy. Hear me. Don't look around. But right now, would you be honest before God? I'm not asking what, but I'm just saying, as I listen, Pastor, to you this morning, boy, I, I thought of, of one, two things that I've really, I've, I've really got to adjust and probably it needs to go. Could you just say, Lord, I heard you this morning. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I heard you this morning. Look, there's more, there's more hands here than I can count. Okay, put your hands down. Can I just say, God bless you. Follow through with that. Go with your spirit on this one. Go with it on this one. 
You don't, have, you don't have to come tell me what it is and whether I agree with it or not is not the point. If it's grieving the Spirit of God, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And watch how His presence comes again. Man, it had to have been, I'm not, I'm not joking, it had to have been three quarters of the house. Everybody, here we go. My life. In my life, be lifted high. My word, be lifted high. Softly like that again. In my life, be lifted high. In my word, be lifted high. In my love, be lifted high. Come on, sing it like you mean it now. In my life, in my life. Maybe you've given your life to Him at some point that you would define. But this morning you would say, it's, it's more than just my house, it's my heart. It's more than just where I live, it, it, it's what's in me. It's been a couple weeks, several weeks since I've done this, but I need, to, I need to call in the harvest this morning. God's been talking to you about your heart. You can do all this stuff, but if your heart's not right, you're not right. The heart's where it starts. It's a heart towards God. And if you've never said yes to the Lord, or if it's been years ago, and to be honest, you'd say, and you'd be honest and say, Pastor, I've gotten off the beaten path. I, 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 I'm not where I know I should be. I'm not where I was, and I need to get this thing right again. I need to get my heart right again. That's why we're in business here. It's setting people free. It's getting them connected to God again. It's getting victory in your life again. You may be the only one. But you might as well get used to that. You may be the only one at work. You may be the only one at school. You may be the only one in your neighborhood. I don't think you'll be the only one, but you can be the first one. But I want to pray with you. 
before you go today and the Bible says that if you'll confess him before men he'll confess you before the Father if you deny him before men the word says that he'll deny you before the Father as well so we just try to do it the Bible way as best we know how so today if you'll say yes to Jesus and you'll do that publicly I believe something special will happen in you that will forever change you come on if you're coming for the first time or you're coming to say I'm getting it right I'm getting my heart right I want you right now forget the friends forget the family and just step out right now and you just come right here yeah come on Alan just come on right now they're coming right now see they're coming right now you won't be the only one Holy Spirit this is the Holy Spirit's moment right now Come on, if that's you, don't wait. Now, come on. Now, I want my heart right before I go today. Come on, God's not judging you. He's wooing you. He's, he's drawing you. I can only wait about 30 more seconds, but it can change you forever. See, another one's coming. Come on now. It's cool when everybody's down here. I, I enjoy when everybody's pressing in. But let me just say this. The most important thing may be happening right now. We're just a few when they say, I want God more than anything. Come on now. I can only, I can only give you about another 15. God bless you, young man. I can only give you about another 15 seconds. But 15 seconds, eternity. Come on. This is heart stuff. Come on. See, I'm telling you. That's the Holy Spirit. God bless you. God bless you, Eeyore. There's an anointing to break every heart. How about you? How about you? How about you? Just another moment. I need some guys, some the ladies, to link up with some of these. everybody right now just join with me those of you that have gathered down front I need you just to give me your sincerity and your genuineness for just a moment and if you'll sincerely believe what we're about ready to pray the Lord will begin to change your heart to pull out the old one and he'll begin to put in a new one everybody together say Heavenly Father I've sensed your spirit and I've responded to you I confess my need. My heart's not right. I want it to be. And so I confess to you every sin, every mistake, absolutely everything that you've been displeased with. I want to please you now. So I turn from that and I look to you I ask your forgiveness and I ask that your blood that was freely shed 
would wash over me and cleanse me from every stain. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. You are the master. I believe in my heart you were raised from the dead to transform me and give me resurrection power. I receive that. I receive you fresh and anew. I declare I am triumphant. I declare I am more than a conqueror. I declare I am an overcomer. I shall prevail over everything the enemy throws at me. I declare it to be so because of the blood. And in Jesus' name, I say so be it. And amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand, can we? Here we go in my life. Here we go in my life. I'm declaring right now over your household. Just lift your hands to the Lord, and I'm going to speak now authority over you. In Jesus' name, I declare a fresh anointing over the people of God. I declare you're going to have a new authority in this hour. I declare that that there's going to be a renewed discernment in your situation, in your households, in your life, in your relationships. I declare that that there's not going to be a, a judgmentalism or a pharisaicalism, but the love of God will compel you the grace of God will compel you to have great discernment great discernment in all that you interact with that God will give you wisdom and he will give you insight that he will give you words words that can be shared that are laced with with his love but yet laced with his tenacity and resiliency and holiness let it be so over the people of God right now in Jesus name In the name of Jesus, we're kicking the devil. We're kicking him out. We're kicking him out. We're kicking him out. Give me one of those. We're just going to use this one. You see this one? I'm sorry, guys. See, this is is strife. 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 Don't get hurt. 
Come on now. That's what some of you need to do when you go home in the spirit. You say, I break that thing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. See, that was the Lord because I didn't kill anybody doing that. It had been the flesh if I'd have hurt somebody. That's right. Come on now. You got to get victory in your system. Get it in your system. Amen. Lord, we just release your people with the victory. There's victory in the camp. Listen to me. Achan and his family sinned because they brought an accursed thing into their tent. And it shut down the people of God. There was an accursed thing. Now, I, under, I understand individual responsibility. Don't misunderstand me. But if we could get as a body some of these things under our belt, man, there'd be nothing. There'd be no Hittite, Amorite, Jebusite, Amorite, Ammonite, Termite. None. Skeeter bite. Yeah, that's right. It don't matter. See, that's strifeite, prideite, vanityite. I mean, they're none. None of them. None of them. We can get this under our belt. But it shut the, shut the thing down. And Joshua said, there's an accursed thing. God's not with you. Come on. If you could jump on board, you could get in the land with the rest of us. God, I, I, I just pray now that, Lord, you would bring life to your people through this. Lord, they're not losing anything. They're gaining everything. Lord, let life come to this as I release them today. Bless them, Lord, as they pray, as they're sensitive to the things of the Spirit, as they evaluate what goes in and what comes out. Lord, let them do all things pleasing to you. Let them have an eye towards you, not an eye toward what the, the culture's doing, whatever. Let them have an eye towards you. Lord, that no one else may ask them to do what you're asking them to do. That's okay. Lord, you've asked us, you've called our household to do some things, Lord, that no one else in this church really is expected to do. But Lord, you've asked us to do it. And I don't consider that a burden. I consider that a blessing. Life comes to us. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. Let, a, let, let, let them know my heart as a pastor is for them to succeed. For them to have their joy and their peace. I want the best for them. But even more than that, Lord, you want the best. And have provided it for everyone. So I bless them with that. Lord, keep them safe. Thank you that you're doing that in our households and our families. I release them, Lord, into, into the earth to do great uh, deeds, tasks, exploits for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One last time, we'll give them a great big hand clap. Praise God. Praise God. And I hope to see you in the middle of the week, Wednesday nights, middle of the week. You're welcome to come. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. It'll be a great day next Sunday in the house of God. Hallelujah. You're released.